Hey everyone, this is Paige Bierman at Redeemer Community Church, and you are listening to the Redeemed Women Podcast. Today, I hope you really enjoy listening to my conversation with my good pal, Katherine Stein. Katherine and I go way back. We actually joined Redeemer and went to a new to Redeemer dinner together six years ago. Um, there are many things that Katherine and I could have talked about uh, but what I really wanted you guys to hear today is what's been going on the last couple of years in Catherine's life and really in the life of her family. Um, you see, about two years ago, Catherine was diagnosed with cancer, um, and no one expects that as a healthy 30-year-old mom of a 10-month-old. So um, really, I hope in this conversation you hear how the church showed up and showed out. I hope you hear... Um, just a good theology of suffering that Catherine lays out there and how she experienced um, the Lord during this time and, and honestly how he's changed her through this really, really hard season. Um, but without further ado, I want you to listen um, to my good friend, Catherine Stein. All right, you ready to get started? Yeah, let me. I was going to say, go ahead and wipe tears. the tears. <laughs> I don't know why I put on mascara. We made it 11 seconds. <laughs> we, we didn't even record yet. 11 <laughs> seconds. Um, okay. Okay. Are you recording now? I'm recording. We're live. I'll stop ta- talking. Stop asking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, Catherine. Yes. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. You're a real life friend. Yes. Real life friend. I just want to like shout it from the rooftop that you're <laughs> a real life friend. Um, but... Just to, before we get started, tell me about you, some of your upbringing, your family. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, um, just down 65, and I am in the middle of two brothers, so there's three of us total, and grew up in a Christian family, um, a Christian home, and my parents were really involved in church, and so the rest of us also were um and just a really close family my brothers are both pastors now so I'm kind of the black sheep because I work in marketing instead of being a pastor (laughs) but um yeah so we're we're from Montgomery moved to Orlando my senior year of high school and now my parents are actually back in Birmingham so that's really fun and special have them close yeah and you are married to I'm married to Chris um Chris Stein and we have a two and three quarters old child um, named Boyer and um, hey, they're just wonderful. I love my boys. Awesome. Yes. Now tell me about coming to Redeemer. How long have you been yeah. at Redeemer? What brought you here? Yeah. So we came, we moved to Birmingham in 2015 and um, no, 2014. Sorry. We moved in 2014 and um, knew, had a friend who was interning at Redeemer named Mally Drew, now Taylor. And um, she introduced us to Redeemer and brought us with her. And we visited a couple times and we visited a couple other churches. But I think what really hit home for us here was that um, it was just so real. Like we could tell that from the pulpit, what was being preached and what the community was talking about um, was just really open and vulnerable. And, um, you know, the gospel was preached and the word was preached, um, but nobody skimped away from the hard issues. And we really liked that because we'd been a part of a church in um, D.C. that was pretty similar. You could just feel the spirit and you knew that the Lord was working in many ways. So we wanted to be a part of church like that and um, 
we have loved it ever since. Yeah, we came at the same time. We did. I think we, we attended like a new to Redeemer dinner we together. Did. Yes. That's we awesome. <laughs> but y'all are so awesome that you got like sped into home group leadership and <laughs> took us a little bit longer. Um, I'm kidding. Not that that's the goal. But um, so y'all are home group leaders. We are. How long have you been home group leader? Um, I should have looked this up. I want to say four and a half years, five years okay. almost. Um, Man. It was like a spring about a year after we had joined. We were in the foster home group for a while and loved mm-hmm. it. And um, we're sad to leave their home group, but also it was a time when Redeemer was just bursting at the seams and they needed more leaders. So we were um, excited to bring on our new folks and um, we have loved it. It's such a good crew. Good, yeah. good people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even outside of home group leadership, I mean, you've done some women Bibles, women's Bible yeah. study. Yeah. I feel it's, like you have your hands in lots of different <laughs> Redeemer ministries. Maybe awesome. overcommitted. <laughs> You're seven. Over eager to join things. <laughs> no, yeah, we've I've, um, actually part of, part of what we'll talk about later has mm-hmm. been like the Lord's work in sparking a word, a love of his word in my life and a love for teaching others the word. And so I got to lead um, some Bible studies last fall, pre-COVID. And this, this past spring, we tried to lead the we Jude tried. Bible study. We tried. <laughs> and On we got <laughs> nipped in the bud by COVID. But um, yeah, so that has been a really special part of the Redeemer life here is being part of Bible studies and now having led a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's dive right in. Okay. So um, obviously I know you mm-hmm. and know a lot of your story, but for those who don't know, kind of fill us in in the last couple of years. What all has gone on in your life in the last uh, couple of years? You kind of gave us a little bit of a hint. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Teaser. Um <laughs> So the last couple years have been crazy for us. We, um, if we go back a little further than two years, we had our first child, Boyer, who's precious and so fun and so happy and wild. And um, fast forward to about 10 months, when he was about 10 months old, October of 2018, I was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 30. Um, and that was just a complete... Um, shock and completely threw me for a loop. I wasn't experiencing any symptoms. I had no idea. Um, I'd just been through childbirth and many doctor's visits and nothing really kind of seemed to tip tip anybody off. But I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and um, the next six months went through through treatment for that with chemo and um, am now thankfully about a year and a half out of um, treatment and in remission. So um, yes, praise the Lord. Um, so thankful for that, but that has been quite the, um, I guess, catalyst for a lot of things in our lives that have mm-hmm. changed and, and made us different in the way that the Lord's worked in us, um, through the last couple of years. So a lot of it centers yeah. around that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess let's just kind of start at yeah. the beginning as far as the beginning with like your cancer story. Yes. Um, can you just tell us a little bit of like how did you find out? Yeah. Um, like what kind of led you to find to that diagnosis? Sure. So I had a cold um, in like late September, and I was um, going to just go get a booster shot from the American Family Care because I was like, I just need a booster shot. I'm gonna go to work. I'll be fine. It wasn't big enough that I, I even felt like I definitely needed to do it, but I was just kind of ready to go to work. So went and got. Um, 
booster shot and they did a chest x-ray just in case I had like walking pneumonia or anything. Um, and turns out they found a, a big mass on my sternum, my chest bone. And, um, they referred me to go get a CAT scan the next day. And at the time I really was kind of like rolling my eyes at it. I was like, this is probably just ridiculous and extra cautious. And, um, they told me it, it's common to have some inflammation with, um, walking pneumonia is probably nothing, but let's just go be sure. So at that point, I wasn't worried about it. And the day of the CAT scan, I um, came home, got a call from American Family Care, and the doctor was like, would you like to come in for the results? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't, why would I want to come in unless it's bad? And she's like, well, it's not great. <laughs> and so um, I was like, well, just tell me now, now I'm ner nervous. So um so they found a big mass at that time. They weren't calling it a tumor until the next day, but they found a big mass that was characteristic of Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. And um, they referred me into UAB um, the next day with the top doctor in hematology oncology. And I went to see him and that's kind of when it all hit that like, Oh my word, I have cancer. Like, what is the, yeah. what is this new thing that I'm dealing with and that I can't wake up from, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess you, you kind of got into it just a little bit, but yeah. what were your initial thoughts? Like what, like yeah. what starts going through your head when you hear cancer? Yeah. Um, so many things. I mean, initially it's just grief and fear. Um, so I called Chris, my husband, and he was out on a job site. He works in construction. So he was up in Athens, Alabama, and a couple hours away from home. Um, and I told him, like, get back here. This is not good. Like, get get here as soon as you can. And, yeah. and, you know, he was so upset and on his way back. And I called my mom, and she left her Bible study to come over and just hold me, <laughs> let yeah. me cry for a couple hours until Chris got home. And um, that was a really, um, a really sweet um way to kind of set the tone for the rest of this struggle I guess and that she just read scripture over me oh. and um quoted scripture over me and prayed for me and wept with me and that's kind of what I needed in that moment is yeah. just to kind of grieve and um let myself be un undone yeah. <laughs> you know as undone as you would think that you would be after receiving that kind of a news and so um yeah, I remember telling you, you came over that night or the day after um, to bring supper. <laughs> and I told you, I was like, I just don't want to be the girl with the cancer story. I would like to have a different kind of testimony, I'll please. never forget it. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I would just, I don't want to be the bald girl. I don't want to be the girl that talks about cancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm an Enneagram 7, if you pay attention to that. And we like happy, fun things and parties and <laughs> plans and vacations and not um, sorrow <laughs> or crying um, or hardship. And so I just really d would not have chosen that for myself because who would? Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's what I was thinking. Like when <laughs> I, I mean, I'll never forget that just going yeah. and hugging and crying and you saying that like, but I don't want to be the girl with the cancer story. Yeah. But I think that's so real because you know, fill in the blank, even if it's not cancer, it's, well, I don't want to be the woman who struggles with infertility. Right. I don't want to be the one who doesn't get married. Yes. I don't want to be the one who what lost my job, fill in mm -hmm. whatever hardship it is. Like mm -hmm. no one chooses that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, what, I mean, thinking back on that moment, now sitting where you are, yeah, almost two years from that day, right? what would you tell yourself then? Oh, um, so many things. (laughs) I think, um, I think I would tell myself, like, remember this season. Don't try and forget it. Don't try and wish it away. Um, and I, I'm a crier, so this will okay. continue to happen, I'm sure. Um, but do remember, remember God's faithfulness right now. You know, there are so many ways that the church showed up for us um, in those first hours through the rest of the six months and even still now that I never could have um, predicted or expected or would have asked for anyone to do for us. And so the way that God provided for us through our family and friends and our church and even our, the larger Holy Catholic church, the larger church mm-hmm. um, of like the churches that we grew up in and all the churches we've been involved in, in our marriage and, and lives. Um, God just moved in really mighty ways. And I, um, you know, I think I would tell myself, well, Catherine, nobody gets to pick their testimony. <laughs> that is part of the fact that, you know, this is God's doing and not yours. Um, and also that there's going to be beauty on it. You know, if it's not, if it's not good yet, it's not the end. Um, and so be patient, wait, wait on the Lord. Yes. My mom, the very first verse that she read over me, um, was in Psalm 27, 13 through 14. Um, and it said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord be strong, let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. And so I think I would tell myself the same thing that she was already telling me is just wait because it's not good right now. And that's okay. It does not feel good at all. And it's okay to grieve it. Um, and also you don't know the whole picture yet. You yeah. know, there is more coming. Um, and this is unfortunately very common. Yeah. You know, we are, like you said, we are all going to have sufferings in our life. And it's not a matter of, um, you know, will I suffer or won't I, um, will I bring suffering on myself or won't I? It's, we are going to, we're all going to suffer and I will suffer again. We'll, we'll go through things. Mm -hmm. I told God once I was like, okay, I think we're done. (laughs) I think we're done with the hard things. Glad I got that checked off at 30. Bargaining. (laughs) Yes. I told him, I was like, okay, we're good now. Right. Yeah, yeah smooth like, sailing from so here. So I did this thing, and it was really hard. <laughs> yep. So God, can you just kind of chill for a little bit? We'll be good from here on out, right? Yeah, I'll just yeah. tell people, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. gosh, gosh, um, but I mean, so many people, including myself, fall into that yes. same thought pattern of like, okay, yes. that was really hard. So surely that means I'm about to get something really good, right? Yeah. Like, and unfortunately, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Or fortunately, it yeah. does not work yeah. that way. Yeah. Yes, but um, you know, it it really is not a question of like, will will we or won't we suffer? We know that we will. Yeah. But if we're gonna suffer anyway, thank the Lord that we have Him. Thank the Lord yes. that we have Him to walk through us with it because. I mean, in the waiting rooms, in the OR, in the PET scans, when you're alone and and that's it, and you're just walking through this horrible thing, he's the only one that can be with you in those moments. And he is the only one that can be present and all powerful and, um, and can bring you joy when everything else, um, feels, feels like it's falling apart. Woo. That'll preach. (laughs) That'll preach, girl. Uh, 
Um, so obviously, it was just really. I mean, Boyer was ten months old. Yeah. Um. So there was grief upon grief, just yeah. with obviously no one wants that diagnosis. There's right. fear. Um, obviously some pretty hard treatments, but what was it like going through it as a parent, as yeah. like a mom and yeah. a wife? I mean, cause yeah. there were some days I'm, I'm assuming, and I kind of know like you were just kind of out, like you were just really oh, sick yeah. and couldn't do yeah. a lot. Like, how did right. you, how did you think through those things? How did you press through those things? Like, mm-hmm. w- what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was hard. Um, it's it's like some of the hardest parts of that season are also some of the biggest joys, you know. So yeah. being a mother while having cancer was some of the most joyous parts of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and being with Chris and, and all of the things that came through that for our marriage are some of the biggest gifts that we had in that season. And, yeah, it was so hard. Um, I think one of the hardest parts of being sick was when I felt limited to take care of Boyer, you know. Um, I remember on Halloween, I had been, um, it was Halloween, I was starting chemo in two days Mm -hmm. on, I would start chemo on my birthday, (laughs) my 31st birthday, and on Halloween, I um, had my pick line put into my arm, which is like a tube that hung out of my arm for two months, which if you have a 10 month old, that is the one thing they want to play with. And that is the one thing they cannot play with that would be greatly endangered. Um, and so that was really difficult managing that I can't get wet. So I couldn't bathe him. Um, I could only carry him on one side of my hip, um, for the longest time. And so there were so many ways that I just felt inequipped. And to be honest, I felt that way before cancer. (laughs) I remember telling my home group that summer, um, Boyer had just been diagnosed with several food allergies that were really severe. And I just told them, I was like, I don't feel like I'm strong enough to be a mom. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to be a nurse and like very aware of all the health things. And Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like I can do this. And, um, and then you add cancer on top of it as a working mom. And, um, and the truth is I'm not strong enough to have carried that. i I'm not. Um, God did give me more than I could handle, and yet He can handle it. And so, I think that is is part of it is that um, I really had to take it day by day and morning by morning. His mercies are new. You know, every single day I had to gear up and remember that I'm not strong enough for this, but the Lord allowed it, and He will carry me through it. You know. Yeah. And that's I think the only way. That you can really do it. Yeah. Um, it's like he completely just drove you to himself. Um, yes. Because it was just like thing upon thing, yeah. feeling the weakness and just it, knowing yeah. like, yeah, there is nothing I can do. Oh, to, yeah. To muster up the strength to do right. these things, to heal myself or right. to take care of Boyer or whatever. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It was exactly. It was like. In Psalm 139, when they talk about you hemmed me in behind it before, Mm -hmm. God had me hemmed in to that specific day, that specific moment, in that specific round of my treatment for whatever he had for me to do that day. And my my job was to only be obedient, and his job was to do everything else. And so as much as I wanted to plan what I could do or, like, you know, know even how my side effects would go that week, mine were very 
sporadic and different every round, and it was really hard to keep track of, um, really hard to predict. He was gracious in the way that he he just kind of led me through it. Like I had no other choice, yeah. you know? So people will say things like, you're so strong or such an inspiration. I'm like, well, you would be doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you are given a treatment plan and you show up for that treatment plan yeah. and that's kind of it. <laughs> so in some ways it was a very easy path because it was like the, here is the one path and you walk through this, you yes. know, yeah. in a lot of ways it was not that easy, yeah. but. <laughs> um, so yeah. we've talked about some of the hard and you briefly mentioned, you know, Boyer being one of the joys. I know it's hard to look at a season like that and go like, oh, well, here's the good stuff. Here's the silver lining. And in no way is that me trying to diminish what you went through or kind of like Polly Pocket, a hard season. But are there joys or can you look back and see like, wow, like this was such a joy to me or this was such a high note or like a a happy thing that the Lord blessed me with through that season? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so many, a a lot of it, um, is with family like Boyer and, and Chris and, um, you know, there were things that I prayed for in our marriage that I didn't see happen until cancer because we were just drawn so close. And we felt like, um, Chris kind of put this, this visual to it, but when we first found out and we were in the doctor's office and they gave us the diagnosis, it was as if like, the Lord's shepherd hook, the little crook of his shepherd hook, just kind of drug us to himself, yeah. you know, and kind of insulated us. And it was like rock of ages, cleft for me, like hide myself in thee. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a weird kind of experience where it was just really you and me and God. And, and there's so many people that are surrounding us and supporting us, but it was a very, um, um, I guess, Bonding is not the right word, but it just created such a closeness, I think, for us because you had to see each other in these each other's worst moments and yeah. um, to see his love for me, and that was a real joy. Yeah. Um, man, shout so, out to Chris Stein. He's a good man. MVP. <laughs> it's the truth. MVP. He will not like me saying that, no, but he it's won't. true. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, you mention a lot of how the church surrounded you, both like this local congregation, Redeemer, um, and also other churches you had been a part of and that kind of stuff. How did you see, how how did the church work in caring for you and Chris, um, both local and bigger picture? Um, It was was just so moving. And I know I'll forget things as I try and recall them here, but like I... um, you know, so the moment that we found out, um, we had suppers come into our house most nights and someone, I think you set up the meal train, you set up the meal train and, and within two days. I did not days, ask this question for you to put like a feather in my cap. Uh, no, FYI. I, I will not flatter you anymore. Um, <laughs> but no, there were like 48 meals over wow. the course of 12. I don't think I even recognize 12 rounds that. of treatment. Yeah. So in early October, our meals through April were taken care of on chemo weeks. And we had two sweet ladies from the church who came and did our laundry and cleaned our house. And we are not clean freaks. Like that was work. (laughs) Um, They cleaned our house every day when I was at chemo. Um, 
for 12, 12 times. And we had people donate a photo shoot for us before I lost my hair. And, um, oh, yard work and date nights out and babysitting and um, so many prayers and so many notes. And it was just, you know, sometimes it can be hard to understand the tangible love of the Lord because he seems ethereal and it's, it just seems like he is spirit and I can't see him and where is God? Yeah. And this was like so, so clearly, tangibly, um, the church was so clearly, tangibly loving us with God's love um, by providing yeah. our every need and beyond our every need, like our, our wants that we didn't know we wanted, like mm -hmm. sweet pictures of our family and date nights. Um, so it was um, really humbling <laughs> and, um, and, and really exciting to see how they just provided and we just received and we didn't do a thing to deserve it. Um, totally. You know, it was, it was all just love. People I didn't never, people I'd never met brought us food. People I'd never met were praying for us yeah. and, women from my sister-in-law's church um, knitted a quilt for me. Like people from my parents' church sent me hats. I mean, it was over and above and beyond yeah. what we could have asked or imagined, you know? Um, and it was really beautiful. It was really also beautiful to see how many survivors reached out to us. And um, that's just like a really special bond between people who've gone through the same thing. Yeah, I, I feel like that's something I didn't really know, and I guess I still don't fully know yeah. because I've, thank God, never had cancer, but right. I feel like there is a community. And yeah. did you find that some through Redeemer, or was it just people that you knew outside? Yeah. Um, part of being the girl with cancer yes. is that you now become the girl with cancer that everybody knows. Right, you know? right. So like anyone so, going forward is like, have you talked to Katherine Stein? Right. You yeah, should. She's the cancer girl. She was the one who was bald. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, um, yeah, so it, you know, it was strange um, that we had, I had several ladies who had cancer at my church where I grew up in Montgomery yeah. that had reached out and they were just so encouraging. Um, I had a mentor of mine from DC who reached out. Um, I knew her while she was going through her breast cancer treatments and everything. And she and I keep up. And so those older women, um, wow. who had been through this, I, don't, I didn't know that. That is yeah. to me, what are the chances that you would have a mentor that you knew while she was going through oh, a breast cancer diagnosis? Just like it's like the Lord knew. The, or yeah, and yeah, it's almost like He knew and I was know. like trying to prepare you. And that's I didn't know that. That's yeah. incredible. She's she's amazing and a believer, and um, you know, having those people who had walked before um, mm -hmm. kind of give some perspective to it and and empathize with it has been was huge for me. And, um, and since then I've been able to make relationships with people that are a little behind in their treatment from where I was, you know, people have been right. diagnosed since or were just beyond, um, my treatment path. And so that has been, um, a really beautiful thing to be able to use this awful sphere of knowledge that no one ever wants to have, <laughs> um, be used for somebody's good you know, yeah. um, to encourage someone else who's going into it because there's just so many 
fears and unknowns and even just the practicalities of like, can you eat lunch while you're at chemo? Like just the little simple, silly things. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat, (laughs) which is good. good. You need to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just the, the little questions, um, were really helpful to have those resources to me and then to be able to give those to others on, on the back end has been nice. So what are a few things? I mean, obviously I know it's so, you know, there are so many things you could tell. Um, and obviously everyone's treatment plan is different and all of that, but like, what are some like practical things that you would tell someone who have, have received a cancer diagnosis or a treatment plan? Yeah. Um, okay. So things that helped me because not all cancers the same, not all treatments, not all patients, yeah. yada, yada, not the same, but things that helped me, my doctor gave me a no Googling rule and that mm. was huge. Um, it should be a rule for like everything. For everyone and everything. Just don't Google. Yeah. Just stop Googling. <laughs> <laughs> You're already over informed. You're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no Googling. So I still to this day have not Googled Hodgkin's lymphoma and I never plan to, um, because I that's so wise because my doctor will tell me what I need to know, you know? And so part of it was just trusting that the Lord would give me the information that I needed to know in each moment. And if I didn't know it yet, then for my own sake, I mean, some people are researchers and I can tend towards that, but that typically tends toward anxiety for me. So it was mm-hmm. just a, a line in the sand of like, okay, I'm not going to Google. Um, I'm going to trust that my care team, who everybody says is really good at this, knows what they're talking about, yeah. you know? Um, and so I sure I asked questions and I peppered him with a list every time I went, but, um, but yeah, being able to remove myself from the need to research or be the expert in it was really helpful. Um, I would say also with cancer treatments, anxiety and mental health issues are very, very common. So my specific cocktail, as they call it, of chemo drugs, um, one of the side effects is anxiety and depression. And so I quickly, I think after round two, I was like, I am not okay. (laughs) Like I know I have cancer and it's typical for people not to be okay in this season, but I really think that I need something. And I I never had had that experience before. Um, And so I I was able to have some anti-anxiety medicine that I'm still on and that's okay. And so I think normalizing that and being able to to realize that this is really common for people going through chemo, that that you might need something yeah. to help you kind of get through everything and normalize a little bit. Um, and then it's not a, a failure or a bad thing to be yeah. finding that at the same time. Um, yeah, and I think um, just have a lot of grace for yourself. You know, there, you're not the same, you're not in the same season. And Lord willing, you won't always be in this season, but this season is different and it's okay if you can't do all the things that you want to do, (laughs) it is okay. I called it lymphoma. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was one of the hardest parts was all the FOMO of like, I got sick, so I couldn't go to our, our buddy's going away party. And um, things like that were really tough, but have a lot of grace for yourself and others that you're not in a, a typical situation. There's no guidebook that says, this is how you should be a cancer patient. And no one is expecting you to perform your cancer patienthood beautifully, <laughs> you know, yeah. we just care and love you. And so remember that don't feel, um, yeah, don't feel the, the burden to be perfect in it or anything. Um, yes. and I, I think, um, you may be planning to ask this too, but for the caregiver, like for yes. Chris, I think it was really important 
he had guys nights regularly and that was huge for him to be able to have a little bit of a, a break from caregiving and, um, just play poker or play Catan or whatever, um, get some time with boys. Um, Pierce was really important and, and getting him a break too, because he was working constantly and taking care of me constantly and taking care of Boyer constantly. And so we eventually got to a point where every weekend after chemo, when it was going to be probably at my worst, my parents would watch Boyer, which was such a help. So at least Chris could sleep a little bit and only care for one needy person. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Um, so that was really, I think, um, some lessons learned. Yeah. Um, what about, like, what are some, uh, some advice or tips or just suggestions in maybe not the immediate caregiver, like a spouse or a mm-hmm. parent, but friends, acquaintances, yeah. like, what were things, you know, and you talked about how the church was the church. So, I mean, obviously yeah. setting up meals and that kind of stuff. But, like, were there ways that people prayed for you that you were like, this was so encouraging? And, yeah. and you know, were there things that people said? Because I think the the hallmark thing is always, you know, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You yes, don't want to, you're, right. you're scared to, like, say something. And, yeah. you know, I feel like it's been said over and over again, like mm-hmm. say something, say something, say yeah, show something, up. Yeah. show up. But like, mm-hmm. what were some things that people did or that people said that you were like, I just needed that. And that was so yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, I think, I think as far as doing things, just doing something mm-hmm. and doing it proactively and not putting the burden on the the person who is struggling to figure out what you need to do, (laughs) you know, so we had so many, and this is not, um, what I saw is that so many people were just proactively sending us gift cards to Whole Foods or Ashley Max or bringing by supper without, you know, just saying it's on your porch, you know, so just not creating any extra work for the person who is sick, um, or for their caregiver to have to decide or tell you what their order is or whatever. Um, that was really nice. As, yeah. You because know. you know what, if you have an extra dinner, who cares? Yeah. Who, cares? Right. who cares if you already had dinner? Like yeah. now you have an extra one. Exactly. Yeah. Tomorrow's <laughs> dinner is taken care of. Like, right. yeah. So, why not just drop it off? Yeah. And, and gift cards are great too. You know, yeah. so just the kind of proactiveness of doing the thing that you think of and trusting that Lord will work through it. And, yeah. um, um, so as far as like speaking things to say, I think, um, what was really encouraging to me was scripture, to be honest, like what, what people prayed over me, the scriptures they prayed over me, the, the scriptures that they sent that meant to something to them in their hard time, those kinds of things really, really stuck with me. Um, and kind of knowing, okay, my friend who had long battled infertility talking about Habakkuk's prayer of like, even though the fig fig tree won't blossom yet, my hope is in the Lord. Um, so people knowing people and knowing their stories and seeing that they coming out of suffering, um, were encouraged by this word. I think that was really, really helpful. So just, I think praying over them and a lot of people pray over the phone and just offer to like, let me pray right now, you know, (laughs) instead of the like, I'll pray for you. Um, which is also great, so, you know. Pray in your own time. That's great. But the people that pray all over the time, them, yeah, keep it going. Yeah, <laughs> pray continually for me. No, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no. But the people that just kind of 
live just kind of went went for it um that meant a lot I guess that could make some people uncomfortable but for me it was like always welcome um I feel like you were asking for it too you like you would send out your you know email updates like please send me scripture yes send me prayer and you know tooting a little bit of your own horn horn like that's that's the Lord's work in you before this even started. You know, um, it's you so cherishing God and his word that that truly was comfort to you in this time. It really was. And it's not even, um, you know, my doing or anything. It's just cool to see how I remember hearing. um, So we're recording this at, at Redeemer on the stage. And I remember hearing Tori Beckham's testimony years ago, I don't know, three, four years ago. And she quoted Psalm 16. And that just hit me in such a way that I never was familiar with it. And I was like, I need to memorize that. So I started memorizing that. And little did I know, three, four years later, that would be such a hallmark scripture for me throughout cancer. Because it talks about in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And if we take that to Psalm 139, where it talks about where can I flee from your presence, that means that God is always present with me, which means I always have access to this fullness of joy. And that is something that like really you can stand on when you're going through the PET scan completely alone in the quiet, you know, like when you, Mm -hmm. there are just moments in all of our lives when you have to face something with just you and God and those kinds of things, the scriptures that the Lord wrote into my heart years and years ago from Trinity Presbyterian schools, <laughs> memorization to Aldersgate Methodist, you know, yeah. Bible Bowl, like things like that, just to encourage um, the rest of us, like the things that you memorize young, they stay with you. Yeah. Um, and God is kind in that way. His word is living and active and um, it really will sustain you and help you in those times. And so I just became really hungry for it in a way that I hadn't, really noticed before or ever felt before. Um, so yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time on just the six months of yes. treatment and yes. the hardship. Yeah. You're in remission. Woo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> what a great day that oh, was. So much better. <laughs> what a great day. I like that. Um, better. yeah, I like that better too. Mm-hmm. Um, your hair's growing in yes. nice and curly. Yes. Um, so I know because I'm your friend that remission is obviously wonderful. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be in remission than in treatment. Yes. But it hasn't been like rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, what, can you speak to that a little? Like what, sure. what has that been like? Yeah. You know, it's weird. Um, it's a weird thing to, uh, some people talk about like survivor's guilt is a, is a real thing of people mm-hmm. that have survived cancer and just don't feel, um, you know, just mourn the people that haven't. And, and that's, yeah. that's a real thing. I think for me, sometimes it's like, I'm more, I'm, I'm kind of more on the end of like, why does anybody have to have cancer? Yeah. You know, why, why did I have to have it? Why does anybody have to have it? You know, um, that was really more, a lot of my struggle. Um, but it's one of those things that it's, you know, I still go back for scans. I still go back for blood work. And so it feels like, okay, it's gone. 
asterisk. Like there, you know, we still got to check. We still got to bring you back in. Um, And thankfully with Hodgkin's lymphoma in particular is so curable that most people it's once they're, once it's gone, it's gone. And my doctor has told me he doesn't think it's coming back. So I have every reason to believe that it's, it's gone for good and that I'm a normal person again. (laughs) But, um, but there's, there's a reason I still go back, you know? So I think part of it is that I still am, am kind of a, um, a cancer patient in remission, you know, I guess, Mm -hmm. I don't know how, if that's the right way to say it, but, um, part of it is that, you know, there still is ongoing effect. Things like, we're not allowed to um, try for more kids until we reach a certain milestone in remission. Yeah. And so things like that, it's like the cancer, after having cancer, you kind of physically, you're just grinding it out for those those six months of treatment or however long. And now I feel like in remission became the emotional part and yeah. kind of dealing with the mental effects and the emotional effects of it because in those treatment months, you didn't have the capacity or bandwidth to That's think. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> like, was it just like, no. I have to like physically do this yeah. and I'll deal with the mental and emotional stuff yes. later. Yes. And, and so now that's kind right. of what you're dealing and with. And so now that's, that's the battle. Um, and certainly there were mental and emotional effects at the time, but yeah. it really like now that the physical, thank the Lord is gone. Um, I'm still left with like, Oh, that just happened. And what in the world that threw me for a loop. And this still has some effect on me, you know, um, being a woman and having long hair before and short hair. Now, every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded of cancer. You know, there's just not escaping. I have scars from my port and my pick line and my biopsy. Um, Mm -hmm. and so there, you know, that's not, it's something that I guess I wish that I could be like done with chemo six months, dust my hands off and now we're done with cancer. Just completely forget. <laughs> Close that it, book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just not the way it works for a lot of people. Um, for the most just, it's not the way it works with almost everything, you oh, know, yeah, but yeah. I, you know, I, even myself, like in different hardships that I've had, it's, that's exactly what we want to do. Like, whew, yeah. got through that. That chapter is done. On to the happy stuff. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you want to just like forget about it. But yeah, like you have already said, like it was used in your life. And, and you know, how can you leverage what happened? Yeah. Um, though terrible. Yeah. And we wouldn't wish that on anyone. But it happened. And so how can you leverage that for his glory? Yeah. yeah. Um, while recognizing that this is flawed and yeah. not perfect. Right, right. And I'm going to cry from time to time <laughs> or maybe a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know, I guess, what were you thinking though? Like this was, we've talked about kind of some of the hardship in remission. Yes. When that word was used, I'm what were you thinking? Like, what was your response? Just such relief. I just giggled. You <laughs> I think did? I just laughed. Um, I didn't. I don't think I even cried that day. I think I was just like just, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just um, really, really thankful, really relieved. Um, because at that point, so I finished the six months of chemo, and then I had six weeks to wait um, to see if it worked. Oof, so that was hard. rough. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I was starting to feel so much better that I was like, oh, I'm kind of getting attached to this post-chemo life. Like, yeah. I, I really like, you know, having a stomach to eat anything, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so 
I, uh, at the six week mark, I was cleared. And at that point I was like feeling better too. And so that was huge. That was super exciting. So we, um, we went to see you in the hospital yeah. with baby Anna Beerman, who we'd also baby. been praying for, for a long yes. time. And, um, that was a really special, special moment Y'all to get have a to special be. bond. Yeah, we really do. We sure do. Um, and had a little party at a friend's house. Um, I know I was so jealous I couldn't go. I was, you know, in a hospital day after having a baby with your precious child. I, I think like, that you were. Please fine. let me go to Taco Night. <laughs> oh um, no! So that was really, really fun, and we. Um, through a remission party and went yeah, on a remission moon and celebrated because why not? You know, we got I love that. Yeah. You know I do. We made it. Like any chance to celebrate and have a party, I'm yes. down. Yes. So I love that y'all yeah, you celebrate with friends, you celebrated just it you and Chris. Sweet. Like yeah. it was so sweet. So so it was, sweet. It was really cool. Um yeah, so it it has felt like so much better. I mean, part of it is I didn't I didn't feel sick before I had cancer. I had no idea. Um, I really felt sickest during healing because right. of chemo and all the side effects. Um, but in remission, I feel so much better. I mean, I have so much more energy and breath in my lungs. And I have such a newfound respect for my body and what it can do and the hills it can come climb and the things that has survived. And um, and that has been a real big gift too, yes. is to kind of like get reacquainted with this is the body that God gave me. And so I want to learn how to use it well, you know? Um, so it's, it's been huge. It's been really a big relief. Um, and every time, every time I go back, you know, I have the same kind of tightening in my chest and PTSD smelling the same smells at the Kirkland clinic and going back in that same place. And every time that I've left hearing remission again, it's been the same, just kind of, uh, release. Um, so I'm very thankful. Yeah. We have a lot to be thankful for. We do. We sure do. Um, thank you so much yeah. for sharing. Thanks and for having me. I just, I'm just so encouraged and I don't know many people who can kind of walk through what you guys have walked through and be as joyful as you are. And so I just think it's the Lord's testament. Uh, you know, it's a testament yes. of the Lord in you guys. Um, so I'm just so happy that I've gotten to witness it firsthand, but now other people get to hear about it. Um, because once <laughs> yes. again, it's it's worthy of celebrating. And you said it earlier, it's so common. We all yeah. know someone or will know yeah. someone and have a friend walk through this. And so mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you can be a resource mm-hmm. to to just speak into that and like, remind whether it's the person themselves walking through a cancer diagnosis or a loved one, mm-hmm. um, just reminding them of like how to care for one another and how to point each other to, to Jesus. So, um, well, thank you. Thank you. Love you lots. You too. And I'm just so happy that <laughs> we were able to record this because it Me just too. is so good. And I know it's going to just really benefit some women. So thanks friend. Thank you. Thanks all redeemer folks out there. (laughs) Bye.